0: Maybe not at 11 o'clock at night, because then you just go down a rabbit hole of looking at photos and videos of your cute children.
1: Yeah, and then it's almost 1 o'clock before you go (laughs) to bed. Society's family unit is in crisis as less and less people are making the commitment of a lifelong partnership together. It has been normalized, encouraged, and easier than ever to just throw in the towel when the going gets tough. With time at a premium, start by spending 20 minutes per week gaining thought provoking inspiration towards a journey of self-improvement, ultimately improving your marriage, your family, your health, and your home. Have you had a fight with your spouse or significant other? Can fighting or conflict be a good thing? Conflict is inevitable, but how it's dealt with can be the difference between a thriving relationship and separation. Conflict isn't the problem, but rather an indicator of problems in your relationship that need to be addressed. How do you diagnose these problems, and how do you take action? That's what today's discussion is all about.
0: Most of us don't like fighting, especially with the ones that we care about. Conflict is unavoidable, and we all have to face it. The truth is that most of us aren't very skilled at dealing with conflict. The hard part is that conflict typically triggers an emotional response. Adrenaline starts to flow, and a fight-or-flight response kicks in. The main problem is when our emotions take over, the brain shuts down. So what causes conflict? Unmet expectations? Different points of views on your kids? Finances? Some surveys note that 22% of divorces involve financial issues. Not enough time or priority put on your marriage. Sex differences in the bedroom. Poor communication. Being misaligned on these items can cause issues, but it's really all about how we deal with those issues. Are we talking about them? Are we finding a middle ground and compromising? Have you ever noticed when you get into a fight or become angry that old thoughts or past issues come up? It's a weird phenomenon, but your brain will bring up those memories when the adrenaline is flowing. You are now fighting over past issues, and a repeated pattern of conflict has begun. One major issue is allowing yourself or your partner to become flooded. This is when you are completely emotional And you can even see the signs physically with your hands shaking, sweaty palms, eyes dilated, and your voice has changed. Learn to recognize these signs, and know when it's time to walk away and take a break. Come back when you're both in a better state and have a productive conversation.
1: And what are some tips on resolving conflict once it's started? We'll refer back to the Gottman Method. We use that as a resource quite often. We would recommend taking a 15 to 20 minute break, could be more, could be less, depends on how heated it is, but it's good to cool off and do something soothing, something distracting that will allow you or your partner to calm down. This really helps when you come back and you can speak more rationally, be more level headed, somebody can take the floor and have a productive conversation without interruptions. You really want to focus on I-statements as well. I think many times we get emotional. There's a lot of blaming, a lot of you, 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 and not enough about here's how I feel when this happens or I did this, I can do that. Focus on I-statements. It really helps sort of tone everything down a little bit. You also want to try and use repair attempts to apologize um and help de-escalate the conflict. It can also help to use a little bit of humor. I would say use it sparingly. You don't <laughs> want to make it seem like you're taking this lightly, especially if somebody's really upset about something. But body language is important. This is something I'm not very good at sometimes. You can use the mirror method when somebody's talking and nod your head. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. That can really help some sort of physical gesture of affection, put a hand on a shoulder or something that shows like, yes, I'm, I'm here, I'm, I'm with you. This blueprint focuses on discussing past emotional issues, uh, more commonly known as triggers. Something that occurred in the past during the relationship, Dr. Sue Johnson refers to this as attachment injuries. These can create resentment from past events that have gone unresolved. These frequently involve breaches of trust. And I think these are things where you want to resolve these things before they come back later. And then the problem can even deepen, be attached to future issues as well. So these are things that are unresolved and just haven't gone away. It's also crucial to avoid being negative when discussing certain triggers. And we found this in our marriage, and I think many others probably know some of the triggers with their significant other. But you need to be calm and try to understand others' viewpoints and make sure that you're validating that and not sort of sweeping under the rug, even if you disagree. You don't have to agree with everything, but you at least have to acknowledge someone else's point of view. The goal is to gain a comprehension of each other's viewpoints, and that helps find a middle ground. You can acknowledge regrettable incidents or things that have happened Again, not talking about fault and blame, but just acknowledging that that happened. You're admitting that you validate how they feel about something. So you can offer a genuine apology. This goes a long way. I think most of us can tell when something's sincere or not. There's nothing worse than an insincere apology. You want to make sure that you take some responsibility but you want to verbalize that too. I, sometimes you, we can take responsibility but not say anything. We don't, we don't acknowledge it at all. We don't verbalize it. So it can go a long ways to say, hey, I know that I was a bit harsh earlier. You know, I was stressed and I took it out on you. You're not necessarily admitting blame, but you did factor into that conflict, right? Ask your partner, what does he or she need to heal and move forward? And then be sure to follow up on it, right? Like, don't just pay lip service, but actually take action. And then try and take turns speaking and listening. This is a two-way street. You should be clear and honest in your communication. You have to try and understand where both sides are coming from. And what does this mean for both of you? You know, Are there some core issues at stake for both of you here? Or is it just a passing thing? as a listener or as a speaker you're creating a safe area for both of you to talk and listen try and show genuine interest to what somebody's saying with you don't don't wait to speak and defend yourself sit there just waiting for your wait you know your spot to get in there and have a rebuttal both sides need to feel heard and you need to be able to communicate back and forth and really explore the issue the last tip here is to also find or create small compromises that can lead to making plans on a a larger scale if you're if you're still quibbling about small things you can't move on to these other big things you know there's bigger goals and dreams that everybody has and you need to find where there's common ground where do these things overlap for each other you can give it a better chance to grow and develop if you see each other's side.
0: Next, we're going to go over six tips to avoid or improve the conflict in your marriage. First off, you should probably try your best to pick the right partner, meaning that you need to take the time to vet out the person that you're with. Don't take this lightly and just rush into something. We can't stress enough how this makes a huge difference. You hear about how people have changed. Well, how well did you really know them in the first place? The in love feeling can last around two years. Were you blinded by that? Were they just putting up a front? We were young, but we went through some ups and downs prior to getting married and knew who we were committing to.
1: When we got married, we certainly took the time to get to know each other and share a lot about ourselves. But we certainly went through through some trials and tribulations together before getting committed. You com- put a committed. ring on it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but it certainly makes a difference. You know, when you move in together, that's a big step. You You no longer have that space between your lives. So it certainly lets you know who you're committing to.
0: Secondly... Establish a foundation of respect and admiration. We edify and support each other day in and day out. We don't disrespect each other to our friends or our family or our colleagues. We choose to be on the same team and to be all in together. We don't have one foot out the door, so to speak. Mm -hmm. We aren't selfish and only think of ourselves. And we also take care of ourselves. Sounds weird, right? It goes back to the phrase, adjust your own oxygen mask before helping others. So don't neglect your own needs. Nurture yourself to help better serve your significant other and your family. Next, make amends and move on quickly. We haven't done this very well in the past. Uh, Holding on to grudges and resentment will eat you up and you're only hurting yourself. Don't hold someone hostage for an apology. It definitely won't be sincere. And be quick to recognize your faults and do what it takes to make up for it quickly and then move on.
1: This is something that we've had to learn a lot about ourselves and how to safeguard against old issues coming back from the dead. Maybe we didn't resolve it, especially if it wasn't an issue for us. We thought, oh, this is an on issue and I'm, I'm over it, you know, but maybe the other person wasn't. Going into tip number four, try to find ways to focus on the positive and have fun. We try to find ways to laugh often and how to make memories together. These are the positive things that kind of hold everything together. There are times when you get down, but it's even good to bring up old pictures or old videos and remind each other of past good times together that can really get the positive energy flowing again. Not that it's something you should keep score on, but the positives outweigh the negatives. And you want more positives in your relationship as much as possible. And if there's a negative, you know, you deal with it, but then you move on to more positives. Then you're not as focused on those negatives, if that makes sense. And another part of that is don't nitpick and and pick at each other and, and be overly sensitive sometimes we can say things or do things that we, we don't even think about are being received in a negative way, but don't f- fixate on those. It, it's just not productive. So try and focus on the positive. Number five, learn how to bring up issues in an assertive way and make sure it's moving towards solutions. Don't be passive aggressive. Don't be too passive or aggressive either, but This can lead to fighting just to fight. Sometimes if we're not very assertive, we'll pick a fight over something when it's not about that at all. It's about something else that you Mm -hmm. just don't know how to bring it up. Mm -hmm. So you pick a fight over something else. Could be minuscule, right? This is typically what's known as making a mountain out of a molehill. So that's something that passive-aggressive people do or passive people. Don't forget, sometimes fighting or not necessarily fighting but conflict can be a good thing even if it's inadvertent. So it relieves stress or tension. It raises issues that may be hiding under the surface. And you can also come up with new ways of operating that lead to better solutions and being more efficient. You just didn't know how to bring it up before. Mm -hmm. Maybe it was something that you you were just kind of stuck in this old thinking, this old process. The last tip that we'll talk about is to have a weekly marriage meeting, or relationship meeting. And this could be more frequent as needed, especially as you get started. You may not be as adept at planning and communicating on this level. And it can seem sort of forced at first, a little awkward even, that you're like, why do we need to schedule a meeting between us? What the heck? You know, especially right now with COVID, we're all at home anyway, right, in some cases. But it really is about being intentional and setting aside time that's focused for the two of you to plan some good times together. You can set goals and talk about a project that you've got coming up, or do a challenge. Do you know something together that brings you closer? This could be short or long. It doesn't. It, there's no set time on a marriage meeting. I know some people. If you have four kids and a <laughs> lot going on, you don't have time for an hour meeting. Of this uninterrupted time, right?
0: And you don't necessarily want to use your date night to right, have yeah. a strict status of our marriage meeting.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no. And that can be overwrought anyway because, you know, another thing is this can be to-dos, but I think it's also got to be more than that. You can't always be talking about all your tasks and things you need to check It needs check to be off.
0: deeper than that. Yes. Mm-hmm.
1: Again, I can't stress enough how much this needs to be focused time. Don't have your phones out. Don't be watching TV while you do this because it this can drastically improve your communication and your expectations that you know what you're doing that night for dinner, but you also know, you know what you're doing that weekend. What's the big plans for the family? Where Where does everybody need to be? What do we need to be ready for? Just as you said a second ago, I think the uh, last part of this is to schedule a date night. You need to have fun together. Don't get so wrapped up in all the tasks and errands that you've got going on that you forget why you married this person. We need to have a date night. We need to go have fun. Not not talking about all the responsibilities we have, but actually enjoying ourselves. That's what makes all of this worthwhile.
0: need to put a face on and <laughs> see see each other done up, put some jeans on.
1: Yeah, oh my.
0: Take off the stretchy pants.
1: Can make a big difference, and it may seem small, but it it can have a large impact. So this isn't an exhaustive list of everything, but these are six tips that we feel like most people can implement with low effort and without much time commitment. These are all things that we've struggled with in the past. It can be really difficult to tackle how you you know, how do you get to some of these tips? How do you resolve conflict once it's in your marriage? But these are things that we feel can really help lead to a more fulfilling life and a thriving marriage.
0: So for this week's call to order, get out your calendar and schedule a meeting with your significant other. Come prepared with topics of conversation. This all leads back to the Gottman five magic hours if you need a resource to refer back to. This could be a to-do list or it could be a discussion on long-term goals. It's best to cover both, though. Plan a date night and focus time together to have fun and to tackle all of the things you have going on in your lives. Don't leave it to chance or fate to figure it all out. Be intentional and talk about real stuff together. you're ready for your marriage and family dynamic to thrive and not just survive. All it takes is 20 minutes or less joining us each week. It begins with a journey of self-improvement while you sit in the carpool lane, commute to work, squeeze in a workout, or get halfway through folding that laundry pile. Be sure to check out the blog at thefamilyorder.com and follow us on Facebook at The Family Order. If you're ready to start your journey, be sure to click subscribe so you don't miss new episodes every Monday.